0: Okay, with no further ado, let's jump into the Word of God. Where are we this morning? <laughs> the book of the Revelation. Have you been kind of excited about this? I want you to be, but I want you to understand something. Brace for impact. And as I was dressing this morning, I didn't know I was dress in military apparel, uh, you know, with blouse boots or, you know, epaulettes or, or something, or, or dress my, like, customary work clothes, just so I get Carhartt, because work clothes. Because it's. you. When I say brace for impact, you will have a spiritual attack. I guarantee it. You say, why, you, you, you know something that we don't know? I guess if you don't know that, Satan hates this book. Well, he hates the whole Bible. I mean, we understand that. He hates this especially. It talks about his origin and his destiny. And he doesn't want you to know that there will be an attack that has been on my person already. Say What did he do? Well, that's personal, but there always is. There always is, okay? And it's not a huge deal if you know how to deal with Satan. He can't kill me. I'd be dead. He can't kill you. You'd be dead already. He can't. He's not indifferent to your faith. He's not indifferent to the fact that you might share the gospel with somebody else and take somebody else out of his nefarious clutches, as it were, so he would attack you if he can, and God, everything that comes to you is father filtered, and why does God allow that? In his sovereignty, it makes us stronger. I, I, I don't know it all. I don't know. We, we can talk about that some other time. Attack will come. And I'm asking us, okay, be diligent, and now let's roll up our sleeves. That's the work part of it, okay? This is going to be some heavy lifting here. Is the book hard? To some it is, okay, to me, It's controversial, but I mean, because every verse, every paragraph, every section, every chapter, there's dividing. If you go on YouTube and you listen, you'll have somebody debunk or gainsay every last thing I'm saying. And it really comes to your philosophy on hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, Adam, what are you saying? The way you interpret the Bible, if you are... I think this is the word of God. I think God knows what he's saying. I think he says what he means and means what he says. You're going to, you know, look at it one way. If you're like, no, that was written by men a long time ago. Anything you come up with is fair game. And so it really depends on kind of how you perceive the word of God. I perceive it like it's the word of God. This is what God wants us to know. And so I'm going to assume that and, and, and teach it that way. Again, you'll have, you'll, you'll, you will go on YouTube, you will watch some, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'll tell you what their point of view is, and I'll tell you why I, I, don't, I don't give any credence to it, and we'll, we'll proceed like that. So I'm going to read the first chapter, okay? I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read the first chapter. You say, we're going to get through the whole first chapter? Oh, <laughs> how cute are you? Uh, I, I think the first chapter will be three lessons, okay, at a minimum, and, but I'm thinking pretty much three. Um, we're going to go through this slow, and if we do the book of the Revelation right, it's 404 verses, over 800 allusions in the Old Testament. We're going to touch down on all those allusions, and we would be here forever. But we'll refer to several of them, even here this morning. So let's just jump in. Let's pray. Father, as we undertake uh, this study, we pray that you would uh, bless us. Well, you, Your word tells us you'll bless us. But in a unique and a curious way, Lord, we, we're, we're going to read about stuff that is uh, mind-boggling, uh, chilling, hair-raising, and through it all, we pray your blessing. We want you to speak to us uh, as a congregation, as a church. We want you to speak to us individually. And we want to take, wherever our Bible study is, Lord, we want to take it to the next level. We want to be changed people uh, having undertaken this, this study. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read the whole first chapter. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man clothed the garment down to his foot, and and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining shineth in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold I'm alive for every forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks the seven stars are the angel of the seven ch- the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches okay that concludes Chapter one. How many you got it? We'll go on to chapter two now. You got this it, easy peasy, right? Uh, it kind of is in a way. If you don't, again, you are it. So we see him st- standing in seven, amid seven lampstands, is better than candlesticks there, and he has in his right hand seven stars. You say the stars are well, you know. I think they are. Well, he says the mystery in verse twenty. The mystery of the seven stars was Saras Marahin. And the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven candlesticks with us are with us are, are the seven churches. It was easy peasy, right? Um, and it's going to be like this through the whole book. He sent, he gave it to John, and signified it. Okay, it carries the idea of communication, but it's a special word, signified. It, it's can I say signified? It's right there. In the, so there's a lot of signs. There's a lot of symbols. There's a simile. There's metaphor. There's typology. And so when you see something, and John says, well, it was it was like this. It's an assimile. simile. Uh, a simile is as or like. You see those words and you say, it's an a simile. You, you remember your, what, sixth grade English class, okay? A metaphor is like, you're the salt of the earth. What does that mean? You dissolve when you're wet, or no? It means, some, well, we can get into that some other time. But you, you see what it means, or you're the light of the world, or we're, we're not, we're not, we don't, uh, we're not illumin, luminaries, you know. That you know, people in the dark, they hang around us and they can see better. But in a way, that's exactly what we do—a uh, metaphor. So um, we'll, so that we're going to see a lot of symbols, and you say, well, why is everything in symbols? one, that's the way God wants it. Two, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. And I think a symbol is worth, a, a word picture's worth a thousand words. It, it, they're powerful images. When we get to chapter 13, we gonna see a beast rising up out of the sea. Powerful imagery. And I think it's more than, you know, there was this guy, and he was really a bad guy, and he kind of was against, you know, everything Jesus taught. And it, I think... Part of these are you know, meant to uh, evoke mental images in our mind and to move us in ways that just mere language doesn't always. So I think that's the pick, the reason for the signs. Now let's start off, okay? We're going to get to verse 1. You're very happy about that. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's stop there, okay? One, if you like Jesus, if you love Jesus like I love Jesus, you're going to love this book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now let's... Talk about a few things, not the revelation. If you say that to me, hey, are we studying revelations today? I won't correct you, okay? I'm just going to do it once for everybody right here. I was on YouTube, you can't look up revelation, you have to look up revelations practically because everything like defaults to revelation because YouTube people don't know it's not revelations, it's Revelation. It is the revelation, singular, and there's a lot of revealing. I I get that, okay? That's why we call it revelations, but it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. You say, well, he's kind of unveiled anyway, not like this. No, 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 no. We know him one way. We know him as Savior. We know him as the one who came to earth. He created everything. He was worshiped by angels, glorified in heaven forever, he made some appearances on earth, uh, arguably. I think he's the sentry. I mean, when Joshua's acting like a sentry and he sees this guy, the captain of the Lord's host, and he says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm the captain of the Lord's host. And By the way, take those sandals off. You're on holy ground. I think that was Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate. And we can talk about things like that. I think he made a lot of visits to earth before we knew him as Jesus The Christ, uh, the Messiah, but we know him as that. We know him as the one who the little kids run up to, and you know they're happy to. You know he he blesses them and holds them in his arms, and and I I bet you know he was very approachable. How approachable is he now? Wool uh, hair like wool, uh, his eyes like a flame of fire. uh, John, who's his intimate, is very friendly. Who takes the opportunity to lean on. His breast during the Last Supper, he falls to his feet as he as though when I when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead. By the way, very very reasonable. If you saw Jesus in His glory now, I think you'd I think the same thing. And by the way, I'm going to take you through those seven descriptions of Jesus Christ. Say seven. Uh, I might as well get to it now. This book is very. It has a very heptatic structure. Heptatic, fancy way of saying seven. If I say something like deci is a, you know, a, a, what's the word pre when something before a word, right? I can't remember. Uh, if I use the word deci or cent, uh, like cent is a hundred, deci is ten, right? You you you're very comfortable with that. Hept, not so much. It means seven, and so there's. We're gonna see. Sevens all through here. Already we see uh, seven stars, the seven golden lampstands. Then there's things like the description of Jesus Christ is sevenfold. We see the sevenfold spirit in verse four, right? And then there's you know, there's seven bowls of wrath, there's seven trumpet judgments, there's seven seals, there's seven churches. And then there's a lot of subtle ones all the way through. When we see verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth and heareth the words of this prophecy," You know that's the first of seven Beatitudes in Revelation. There's a lot of them that you'd you'd have to count them. They're very curious. There's like in chapters 21 and 22, there's seven new things. In chapters 12 and 13, you know, we see the woman and the male child, and we see Michael and the beast. And if you add them all up, by the way, there's seven personages there. But they don't say one, two, and three. So you have to like be, and um, there are people who put like the sevens together in Revelation like the seven doxologies in heaven, the seven times where in heaven they praise God. And you wouldn't see that unless you were, you know, looking for seven. Well, they come up with hundreds, and I'll bet they probably don't even, haven't even scratched the surface. There's, so the book is very heptatic in structure. You say, so what is, why is God all about seven? Ah, good question. Now, some will say silly things like, well, seven is the Lord's number. Explain to me how the beast has, you know, seven horns. He has Lord's number's horns, which, by the way, is symbolic of power. That's Scripture's way of saying he's all-powerful. He doesn't have Lord's number horns. Okay, that's just kind of silly. Seven's going to mean complete. Complete package. Like, the seven... Days in a week. First week of creation, he created six days, and the seventh, he rested, right? And that was one week. And it's like, like a complete, and the number eight is the day. The, the number of new beginnings. A lot of people who study scripture, and numerology, and I don't mean that in a sense of like, I'm a three, what are you? You're a five? Oh, that's good, because fives and threes get along. That, no, that's garbage, that's... I'm not talking about that. Do you notice the Bible has a lot to say about the number seven, or uses it a lot? Do you, have, you notice the Bible as like it rained for forty days and forty nights when uh, uh, Elijah was running from Jezebel. His trip was forty days, and was a lot, there's a lot of forties in Scripture. You know, Jesus out in the wilderness for forty days, the, the Children of Israel are forty years, and what? Well, what a coincidence! All these forties. No, they, they're specific and they mean something. Okay, and God's the God of order and of and of he does things in a, in a certain way. And so I think the numbers in scripture mean something. Very very often. I would say always, but I can't really prove that. And so somebody comes up to me, "Well, what is this number here of these going into battle, these 704,820?" I I don't know. So I I but I think they I think everything means something, you know what I mean? But this I don't always know the meaning. Now, through here, one of the funnest parts about this book is we're going to see these symbols and we get to explain them, right in the text there itself in the same chapter, or somewhere else in Scripture. And I think that discovery is the funnest. That's to me. That's that's the that's the, and they all point to Jesus Christ. And that's the like I say, if you love Jesus, you'll love this. Now I promise a blessing. Well, we'll get there. Okay, I'm the, I'm going to get ahead of myself, and I want to do this. Okay, it's the unveiling. And the word is apocalypsos, this is where we get the word apocalypse. We talk about apocalypse and we talk about something happening, it's very bad. Uh, remember the Armageddon movie, they had that big asteroid coming to uh, the world and they flew out there and blew it up and... And of course, they were all heroic and stuff like that. And uh, you know, the one guy saying, "Oh, it's the book of the Revelation, all the ba- all the worst parts." We talk about something apocalyptic as something that's very nasty and very bad and very like, you know, uh, comets hitting the. I mean, meteors hitting the Earth. The uh, the the the. the, the the water's turning to blood, this many are killed during this. We have this locust invasion, well, I think it's a demonic invasion, from the pit, and they're like locusts that sting people, and they they pray for death and they can't die. That's very apocalyptic in the way that we use it. But the word apocalypse isn't dreadful or scary. It means literally unveiling, literally cover away. We take the cover off, unveil as we would say an unveiling. You see a new statue, a dedication, or something, Everything's under that, and the guy pulls the guy. Co- and think about that, okay? And we're going to see Jesus Christ unveiled in a way that we haven't seen him before. I started saying earlier he's very inviting, little children. Here we're going to see him as judge of the whole earth. You know, a lot of people scripturally are, are types of Jesus Christ, Joseph. You know, his brothers didn't recognize him the first time, or they recognized him the seven times. Is that like setting up like Jesus in Israel? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, um, Joseph suffering for something that he never did wrong. Is that a picture? And um, one book I read it had Joseph as a Christ type 101 different ways, not exhaustively, just, and, and uh, I can't remember the author right off the top of my brain. That is very very interesting, and there are a lot of Christ types. There are people who play the part of Jesus Christ in Scripture. Boaz, okay, who marries a Gentile bride Ruth, and by doing that redeems her. And it's uh, there are some that are very stark, and there's some that are just not as crisp as we'd like them. But they're there, and they're very subtle. Okay, um, so. We like that. We like, you know, seeing Jesus Christ in new light. How many people know that, like, Gideon is a Christ type? <laughs> we don't see that in our Sunday school, you know, coloring books, like, where he comes back and he dispossesses the earth of its usurpers. Uh, Joshua is one of the clearest, Joshua, Jesus. <laughs> You'd think the first book in the Bible named for a human being would be very Christ-like. Well, he, he comes back, and what does he do? He takes the, the land that's not rightfully theirs, and he throws them all out, and the people of God inherit the land. We're going to see Jesus in that type, okay? We're going to, and it's an unveiling to us. It's a, it's a way that we haven't saw him in the past, or not necessarily that we, that we know him. Okay, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeshua, Messiah, that phrase, Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ, we're not going to see that again until the last chapter of the book. Now we're going to put him away. He's, he's got a lot of titles here, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. The one he favors the most is the Lamb of God. Isn't that, listen, if, my, if I was King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I'd, I'd get a, you know, a, a name tag and a badge and I'd make sure everyone called me that and stuff. The, the one he favors is the Lamb of God. And that tells us a lot about Jesus Christ. When he comes back, as he come back as a lamb? He'll have the marks of slaughter on him and we'll talk about that. But he's, you, you won't, Think of him as very lamb-like, okay? And when he comes back, it's going to be literally hell to pay for those who are opposing him. I don't say that with joy. I'm glad that justice happens in this book. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it, signified it by his angel unto his servant John. What is that? It's a custody, a chain of custody. I know about that. So if I do like a lead sampling, I have to send it away, and I have to do a certain thing, have people sign for it so that that sample, was so that, you know, a chain of custody, like, you know, DNA and a death and... And people, the chain of custody is very, very important. Well, this is a chain of custody. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. Him who? Jesus Christ. God gave this unveiling of Jesus Christ to Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do with it? Well, it, it's it's it, he gave it to him for this purpose, to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. Now, I explain something that's going to be a mystery to a lot of people for a lot of time. How come I read the book of Revelation? I don't get it. Just jump in where angels fear to tread, because you might not be a servant. I mean, it's in code. If I if I wrote a letter to Susan, I said, and I, and I don't want to like if anyone intercepted it and they broke the and I would say, uh, and I'm trying to give her a message that nobody else. I could say, hey, remember California and the thing that happened to us while we are in California. She knows it, but nobody else knows it, and so it wouldn't be a blessing or a good thing. To anyone else who intercepted the message, it's not written to them. It's a blessing to us who know Jesus because it's written to us. Um, And then there's a problem is, and it's written in such and such a way that the author assumes that we know our Bible and specifically our Old Testament. 404 verses, over 800 references to the Old Testament. And if you remember, I was teaching in Jude and I was talking about Balaam and I, there were some people, I had to go and i say, I mean, but you just wrote it. Hey, they're like, they're like Cain, they're like Balaam. You know, they're like Koran. Well, like, yeah, yeah, I can see it, I can see it. And some people said, what is he talking about? Why? Because some people don't know Balaam, some people don't know Korah. I'm assuming we all know Abel, right? Uh, I mean, Cain. But here's the problem. The author of this assumes that we know um, a lot about the Old Testament. And the problem is, I, I, I could name somebody, and I won't do that. Very, but you know his name. He said, leave the Old Testament. We're New Testament Christians. I mean, how much of the Old Testament do you have to know anyway? And he said that it wasn't worth our study. And I'm thinking, like, what happened to all scriptures given by inspiration of God? And it's profitable for a lot of things, but profitable. You spend time in the book of Numbers like we are on Wednesday night. It's dreadful. No basis for that. What are you doing? I, I point out again, and I know I'm repetitious sometimes. Do you remember when John's talking to Nicodemus in the third chapter, and he says, even so, like as Moses lifted up the serpent and the wilderness, we just studied that very recently in, in our study in Numbers. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up? And we all scratch on our head saying, what? Moses lifted up what and the who? And it, you see, it's all connected. It's all intertwined. It's all the Word of God. Uh, if I came and I said we're going to do uh, Revelation Wednesday night, and Sunday morning we're going to do Jeremiah, is that like a problem? Is like Jeremiah like unworthy of studying? A lot of people think so. I'm thinking like you're crazy. You don't know. You just that's just crazy thought. And I would never speak against any portion of Scripture. That's just that's just it's all the Word of God. So God gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to us, but by way of He sent and signified it by His angel unto His servant John. God gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to his angel. His angel gave it to John. John gave it to us, and that's the chain of custody. So we got it is from God by way of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ gave it to one of his messengers, which just I saw angel means. And this messenger, and it's an angelic being as we would think of him. Who, who, who? Gabriel, Michael, Fred, we, we uh, uh, Clarence. We don't know. We don't know, right? Uh, and 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 Clarence gave it to John, and John's giving it to us. So where did we get this book from? We got it from God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? This is what God wants us to know about the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And I think that's why verse three promises a blessing. And John, he, we're in verse two. All right, he was making headway. Listen, I, I I knew that some of this was going to be introductory. I knew it was going to be a little bit but I had to set some rules up. I mean, I could really go on with preterism and post-tribulationalism. Um, I, 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 can, I, can, I can give you all stuff, and eventually I will at some point, but I could really lay that on, and I'm trying to get into like a few verses anyway. Anyway, John, bear record of the word of God. Is this the word of God? John seems to think so. By the way, I would agree with John. He bear record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. How did he receive this verbally? No, he saw it like a vision. And I'm thinking, John, first century man, the end of the first century, this thing that he never seen, and they're talking about things that are happening, well, that haven't happened yet. How could John describe a, an iPhone He's never even seen a telephone. How could he describe a lot of things? And are we going to see Black Hawk helicopters? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But maybe. But he's saying, well, it was like, well, it's kind of like this. I think he's left at a place where he can't, there's no words for him to describe. And so I think that's one of the things we're looking at, and I think, he gives it to us this way. Well, I saw this, and I saw this, and I saw this, and there are some things we can connect some dots. I'm going to tell you some, right now, and you're not going to like this. Some of the things, I, I don't know, and maybe nobody knows, and we're going to have to live with the answer uh, that, no, that I don't know and you don't know. We're very tempted sometimes to fill in the blanks, and that's a bad idea. Well, I think it's probably this. And then when God does reveal it to us, I, I'm not listening. I already got my mind made up that this is this. And the only time we can be that sure is when we're sure. I don't want to come to scripture, well, I don't know, whatever your interpretation is good as that no, no, no. I, God meant us to have this and meant us to understand it. And sometimes, like I say, don't take any shortcuts, don't fill in blanks that and if you can say something that I don't know about, well, praise God, come and tell me. I will tell you, am I an expert in these matters? I have been studying Scripture since 1980, and the majority of it is eschatology. It's the thing that's fascinated me the most. Eschatology, fancy word for theology about the end times. Book of Daniel, traffic, and oh my my goodness, there's so much in the Bible about... For every um, time it talks about Jesus' first coming, there's seven or eight... Times it talks about his second coming. Is this an important aspect of, of, of scripture? 214 chapters in the New Testament. Because you all knew that, right? How many, how many speak of, how many allusions are there to Jesus' second coming? 318 out of 214 verses. Do the math. That's more than one per verse. Uh, one per chapter. It's a big, big, big subject. So much so that I think a lot of times, you know, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of verses about his second coming, where he's the victorious champion, where he puts the evildoers away, where he rules and reigns from Jerusalem, specifically Mount Zion. And when Jesus showed up, they didn't know the suffering servant, like Isaiah 53, like Psalm 22, like myriads of verses. Um, they didn't know that. And I think that's that's part of the problem. They were focusing on glorious Messiah who's going to... Because they were under Roman authority at that time, and they wanted a Savior who won. The first thing they needed was salvation from Rome, or so they thought. And I think they missed it. And we'll we'll get more of that as we go along. Okay, John, bear record of the Word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things which he saw. Now, we're going to get three verses in, and I knew we were going to get three verses in, okay? So we're really cool, everything's fine. Uh, Blessed is he that readeth. We got that. We got the reading blessing already. And they that hear the words of this prophecy. So I read, you listen, two blessings right off the bat. I love that, okay? Well, I'm not really sure I believe in this book as the word of God. I don't care. (laughs) It's going to bless you anyway. I mean, it really, really will. Um, My teaching may or may not thrill you, or may may or may not bless you, but the word of God will. And it's guaranteed. There's two blessings right there. Uh, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Key point: it's a prophecy. Time John wrote it, it hadn't happened yet. There is a group you'll run into if you do some study. By the way, I would admonish you: study this on your own. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you this is the way I feel about this. This is the way I think about this. Feel free to disagree. There are good people who do. There are people who don't. If you agree with 100% of everything I say, you flunk. You flunked the course. Find out for yourself. Be like the Bereans who say, um, "Yeah, okay, Paul's saying all this stuff. And we're going to check out Scripture and see if what he's saying is accurate." And Paul said they were noble. That was that was nobility. That was a good thing to do. And I'm saying the same thing. Again, if you just say, "Yeah, Adam said it must be so," you flunk. <laughs> you just you have to be in remedial class, okay? You have to stay after school and all that. But it says he that readeth, blessed to, the readers, bless to hear, the wo- hear the words of this prophecy. And in this prophecy, oh, I'm going to say you run into a view called preterism. All this stuff happened in the first century. The Antichrist is Nero, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. The abomination of desecration was when Titus Vespasian overthrew over the temple. John's writing in 95 AD, I don't think anyone could dispute It's 95, 96. I don't think anyone can dispute that. Um, he was in the Isle of Patmos. Well, that was during uh, uh, Domitian, who followed Nero several emperors later, who was a lot more barbaric than Nero was. And he's the one who sent him to Patmos. And when he came out of Patmos, 95, 96, he wrote this down. He received it at the Isle of Patmos. We'll see that next week. And um, so it didn't happen in the first century. It's still prophecy when John writes it. And in, the other, in other words, future events. Blessed is he that readeth, and he that hear the words of this prophecy. And by the way, I know, I know. I'm backtracking. Blessed, makarios, to elate, to make happy, to gladden. Okay, it's a. This is a, a total blessing. It's a blessing to teach. It's a blessing to receive. It's a blessing to read. It's a blessing to to hear. When he's saying, uh, "Blessed is he that hear." Remember, the first century church didn't have a Bible in their lap. And they certainly didn't have the book of the Revelation. John just wrote it. And he sent it on, and people made copies of it and things of this nature. And a pastor would stand, and he would read it to the congregation. And they didn't follow along in their Bible or their Bible app, okay? They didn't have printing press. They didn't have uh, access to Scripture like we have. It's a total blessing for us. We can bless ourselves every day, open up the book and say, and by the way, I I peeked at the end. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins. I just wanted to let you know, okay? That's where we're going with this. It's, it, you should know that. Blesses he that readeth and he, they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. The time is at hand. Two more points and I'm done. Keeping those things, what does that mean? It's total blessing. Keeping doesn't mean really obeying because there's not a lot of commandments given here. Uh, listen, here's something for you, right? Take this to the bank. If you're left behind after the rapture, don't take the mark of the beast. Bad mojo. You're ineligible to for salvation forever. Keep that commandment, okay, if, if you take it as a command. But that's not what it's talking about. It's, not, it's saying this is how it's going to all play out. So how do we keep them? We treasure them. We keep them in our heart. We love them. We, we hold them close. We hold them, these things dear. And I think these things will be very dear to us. Listen, guys, we haven't known persecution. No, not really we haven't. Uh, when will we? I think the Great Reset's going to reset. I think you go along. Or, oh, you're deviating from the, well, we can't have that. I think the Church of America, I, listen, I'm not a prophet. I didn't get this from the Lord. I just can read the handwriting on the wall. I've been saying this for most of my adult life. We're headed for some pretty nasty times ahead. What keeps me... Having faith, what keeps me trusting the Lord? I don't care who the president is. I don't care who the, the who's on the Supreme Court or the. Uh, I mean, I do care. I have I have a vested interest. I'm a patriot. I have a wife. I have family. I have children. I have grandchildren. I mean, I want this country to go really good. But I, let me tell you, at the end of the day, I know who wins. I know how this ends up. I know what my future is. I know what my eternity looks like. I know for like after seven years from now, I know what a thousand years looks like. Not t- down to the nth degree, but to a large degree, and it's a blessing to me. I keep these words. I'll, I treasure them because it, it makes all the difference. So when things are like really glum right now, psh, it's just a phase. This too shall pass. There will be an Antichrist. He will rule and he will reign. You're going to a, have a... People who are left behind are going to have a real hard time during that. How are you going to buy and sell without the mark? Good luck on you. You'll trust Christ. You'll be beheaded for your efforts. And it's all here we'll get we'll get to all that but i think a there's a there's a treasure here and it's it, it's something that and there's a blessing in keeping these things are written for it therein for the time is at hand you saying the time is at hand wait a second in verse one this is my last point God gave Jesus the revelation he gave it to his servants the things which must shortly come to pass the time is at hand you're thinking Wait a second. It's been at least 2,000 years. I guess in God's economy, that's at hand. Uh, time, God doesn't measure time like we do. Remember, he said uh, to Abraham, your you seed's going down into Egypt 400 years. The, the sin of the Amorite has not yet come to completion, not yet full. 400 years? If I told you some of the things the Amorites did, and some of that you'd say, God should have lowered the boom. He's gracious. And he measures time morally, not with a calendar. And a, a day is the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years to a day. Jesus, when do you come back? I'm going to be gone in two days. What are you talking about? And it doesn't even mean that anyway. When it says shortly, uh, it's the Greek word we get a word tachometer. Tacoma, it tells you how many RPMs. It's when this thing happens, it's going to happen with rapidity. When these things start playing out, you're going to see how quickly they play out. Um, Will we finish this book before this book starts to unfold? Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I think it'd be a photo finish. I, I I really have no idea. I'm not I'm not date setting. Okay, I don't I don't play like that. But I think like we're overdue for judgment. You and I are overdue for judgment. Listen, our sin has already been judged. That is the blessing of the book of Revelation because Jesus is Christ because He's Messiah. Okay, we don't fear His his arrival, his second coming. He's coming to take his bride out of this church. And we'll see that when we get to chapter 4. You mean the, uh, the rapture of the church? In, well, I think it, it's signified. I think it is. I think the sign of it is. And we'll we'll, we'll see that when we get there. Okay, rather auspicious debut. Uh, I'm sorry for all the background kind of stuff. I felt like I had us at the table. Let's stand. Let's uh, stand. Uh, Noah's going to come, send us out here in, in worship. Let's pray. Three verses, I know, Lord, but three important verses. all your word. It's all beautiful. It's all wonderful. And uh, I know things are going to start taking off from here. And we can't say all the things that we need to say about this. And this is the frustrating part. There's so much, there's so much in your word. And I pray you'd make it crystal clear to us as we study, as we prepare our hearts to receive from you the revelation, the unveiling, Jesus Christ's love letter to his bride, come back to get us. Well, if if today is the day, then maybe we'll continue the study in heaven and we'll let uh, John teach it. But in the meantime, Lord, we're going to be diligent. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to get busy. We're going to get militant. We know that there's, there will be attacks, but we're not afraid of Satan. We're afraid of upsetting you. We want to give you joy in our life all the time by being faithful servants. Lord, bless us now. In Jesus' name, amen.